Welcome to episode 15 of On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. The Ohio Hockey Digest is the foremost location for hockey in Ohio, covering every level from youth and high school to juniors, college, and pro. Article written to keep the hockey community up to date on all the happenings for hockey in Ohio. My name is Tim Sullivan. I'm joined by always Jason Lewandowski and producer Dan Humphrey. With On Air, we are adding a different element to the Digest with interviews and other such content voices, names, and faces to interesting people making the Ohio hockey community better. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest on-air podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Hockey Project. The Ohio Hockey Project mission is to positively shape the dynamic and landscape of the hockey community through comprehensive player development and a lifelong commitment to helping each and every athlete to maximize their potential and reach their hockey goals. With over 85 years of cumulative experience to draw from, the staff provides athletes with every ounce of knowledge, experience, and passion they have. The staff consists of current and former professional collegiate and junior players who have all come through the various ranks of Cleveland hockey and are committed to making athletes' goals and needs their number one priority. Last week, we had the honor to sit down with two gentlemen that are definitely growing the game from the Tri-State Collegiate Hockey League. We spoke with Commissioner Tim Driscoll. Tim gave us the lowdown on the tee, the pros and cons of playing in the league and how important uh, of an option college hockey can be at this level, providing great competitive hockey and an outstanding education. What a great conversation with Tim uh, talking about the tee, not only the tee, but the whole entire ACHA uh, and what he's doing uh, as his part as commissioner of the tee to make sure that guys and young ladies have an opportunity to play after uh, high school or whatever junior program they decide to play at, at a very competitive level, also with keeping education uh, in the forefront. You know, there's been a lot of interviews we've had over the last, what, around 15. So that it didn't really even seem like it was an interview. It sounded like it was a conversation. And uh, Tim Driscoll was one of those. He uh, He's such a positive guy. He's definitely pulling in the direction of, of the league and of, of the players and get them to a better place. And, and that's important when you have a league within a league, so to speak. If you have a division within the league, I mean, it's all pulling in the same direction. And it was just a good conversation. Yeah, it was a good conversation. I really enjoyed talking to him and, and all that he's doing for the game. And, and I don't know, you know, more people like that need to be around the game because, you know, they're level-headed. They know what's real. You know, we're going to talk long and hard about this every day, Jay, about uh, reality against fantasy. And uh, uh, Tim Driscoll against reality. Yes, right. sir. And Tim Driscoll is a, is a realist and he understands it. And I think uh, if you listen to that podcast last week and if, if you have, maybe listen to it again, because the guy really talks in a real time and, you know, sees things in real time. You know, then we were joined by general manager and head coach of the Toledo Cherokee of the USPHL premier Great Lakes division. Mr. Kenny Miller joined us. Coach Miller talked to us about the ups and downs of navigating uh, a season in junior hockey, both in North American League and the USHPL. Uh, he gave us insight on what he looked for when searching for players and how he and his staff helped become the best that they can be. You know, we've talked to two people now that, that um, pretty much make their living on going out and looking for young players uh, in Ian Moran and Coach uh, Kenny Miller. And I think both of them uh, spoke to the fact of uh, not only do they look for talent, but they look for what do you do and how do you act off the ice as well. It's, it, it's funny because, you know, being in, in and out of rinks and you watch the antics that go on, if you will. I don't want to call them antics, but you 
watch the the the, the people doing all the mantics. I don't really care, but someone uh, we've had this conversation a gazillion times now. Someone's always watching, right? So you look at our day and age of people being knuckleheads and doing stupid stuff, right? How do you act? It's no different. It's no different. Our, our society needs an overhaul. Well, guess what? Your your mentality and how you treat people needs an overhaul. And people are watching that. So if you're hoping, and here's the thing, it's not just the players, right? So you've got some cuckoo bird parents doing wacko stuff, and I understand it. Don't get me wrong. I'm a parent as well, so I get it. However, referees don't determine the outcome of a game. Don't stand at the glass and berate them. Coaches aren't out to get your kid. I've not met a single coach that's been out to get a kid from learn to hockey through college. Pros, you're getting paid. Buckle up, sweetheart. But I've never met a coach that's out to get a kid. So quit acting like that's the case. Yeah, but I you gotta, also, but you've also met some stuff to do. I know, but you've also met some cuckoo bird coaches too oh. that that do what they do, no matter the benefit of the player or not. It benefits them, and it shouldn't benefit them. It should benefit the players, the kids. But it doesn't always work that way, Jay. No, because money gets involved, and there's there's the underlying problem. If money didn't get involved, you wouldn't see people thinking the grass is greener other places. And, and why, what I mean by that is maybe, and, and all right, it all goes to, to honesty, truth and honesty. If you're not good enough to play at a level, then tell the kid, no, we can't do that because there's something called the bottom line we got to hit. There ain't and no certain, way. There, yeah, people aren't going to do that. Certain levels. All you are is a feeder for other levels. All right, so thanks for your money. Here's your 20 games. Let me know how Christmas is. Because somebody's always looking around. They're out for the benefit of the kids. Stop it. Anyways, Coach Miller, not the case. Not in our conversation. It was a great conversation. As I said last week, I, I really enjoyed learning about the Cherokee. I, I knew bits and pieces, but uh, not a lot. It was great to hear about his his come up in the game, going through the North American League, and 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 I don't want to say bouncing around, but going to uh, different clubs to uh, to uh, build his resume, and how he ended up back in Toledo, basically back at home, and he's growing a great product up there in Toledo. Absolutely, absolutely, that was a good conversation. Really enjoyed him coming on and talking with us as well. Uh, had, we've had some fortunate. We've had, been very fortunate, Jay, over the past 15 weeks to get some really, really good people to come and join the show, and uh, you know we look forward to more. And hey, you know this week, I know you and I have uh, spent a lot of time in college, but we're heading back to college, brother. Woo-hoo! Like, quarter beer night, maybe mug night. I don't know the occasional off-campus party. Yes, Woo-hoo! sir. <laughs> we're sitting down with two members of the University of Akron Zips hockey team: head coach Matt Cook and assistant coach Greg Revac. They're here to talk about how they came to Akron and what is going on with the Zips, as well as their program, Life U. What is Life U all about? And we're going to learn about that. It's going to be fun. Then we get on the bus and head east on 90 through Syracuse until we end up in Potsdam, New York, home of the Clarkson Golden Knights. And our guest, and I look forward to this conversation, sophomore assistant captain of the Clarkson women's hockey team, Lauren Bernard. I look forward to talking to her because Clarkson has single-handedly taken over women's hockey in the United States. 
Fact or what? Uh, I'm going with fact. I know that there might be a place out west, northwest, near the border of Canada, uh, called the U, if you will, that might want to lay claim to that, or also Wisconsin. However, Clarkson is not only on the map, they're just, they're wrecking stuff. And it's absolutely, awesome. absolutely. She can tell us how she ended up at Clarkson and her path to the uh, Division One NCAA hockey. A jam-packed show that's going to be another butte, man. This is going to be fun, and I look forward to it. Another week, boys. How'd it go for both of you guys? Daniel, what's new? I, actually, I do have a question. Um, is there going to be online pictures for which we can look to bid on the uh, Humphrey auction? Um, that's going to be a question for management. Okay. But I, I mean, I don't see why he can't put a you know a little little sub page off of the uh, on air podcast page. Just have live bidding going right there. That'd be awesome. You know, we we could figure out a way to put it somewhere like to uh, uh, you know an inner city youth hockey program. Uh, the donations that we get, we should probably run that past management. But I'm lo- really looking forward to this walk behind lawnmower. So um, let me know. <laughs> Will do. Um, the new, the newest snag that we're running into is, so, you know, we have the two dogs we have a two year old child and our new house does not have a fenced in yard. (laughs) So, so we're looking, you know, to build a fence. So I've been past couple weeks calling some people trying to get some prices and this damn COVID has everybody in the world building a fence in their yard. So one, there is a short supply of lumber, so you can't even build a wood fence. you got to go chain link. And two, the earliest that they can build a fence would be October. Whoa. Whoa. So All right. it doesn't affect well, me. I'm, ba- I'm back at work, but, you know, the wife's going <laughs> to have to be went- taking the dogs on leashes out so they can use their bathroom and everything. What if you went just straight GPS, like on all of them, two dogs and a kid? If they left the yard, you just follow. You know where they're at. What it's about invisible good. fence, Danny? Yeah, that no, it's not gonna work. It, Danny, I've got a visit works, fence in my dog. It works I, for, for works for us yeah, as well. Work for me. I, I. Well, I don't you think it's gonna work? You think they're? Too, I mean, I know you have big dogs, but do, I do think, think Moses. Right so there? Moses is the the husky poodle, and when he sees something, he's gone. And I just see him. He's gonna see yeah, a not deer. When, not, when, not, not when he's getting shocked. I don't know. I see him just running right through it. And then his dumb ass would be too scared to come back home. <laughs> Because he's going to get shocked. That thing's going to be beeping the whole time he's outside of the fence. I don't know. Maybe. Something to think about. What's Something going on with you, Lou? I don't know. I got nothing, man. I, I don't. My life stinks. It is boring. Um, I'd like to thank D. Betty's for getting me through. Cheers. Um, no, I mean, you know, it's the same stuff. It's the waiting and seeing game of are we gonna are we going with fall sports? Are we gonna end up in winter sports? Are we gonna, you know, from a local standpoint, are we gonna play? And so you're 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 preparing as if it's a go and you're waiting for the other shoe to drop because again, knuckleheads are being knuckleheads and stuff is growing, be it from better testing, be it from more testing. Be it from a lack of testing, who knows? But people are still doing what they want to do, and you know we're walking our way right down into another shutdown, and well, that'll just kibosh in another another year. And from a work standpoint, that'll stink. That that'll be no good. From a social standpoint, hell, I don't do anything anyways other than talk to you guys once a week. So I enjoy that. That's it for me, Sully. What's good? 
Nothing, man. Played some golf today, which was good. Um, I don't know, just, you know, spending some time with, with, with the kids before we all end up back at school, which I, I hope we all end up back there. Just, I don't know. I don't, you know, just, I don't know, Jay, Danny, you and I, we spoke off, off the air and, you know, not to get down too much into the, the wormhole, but it just, you know, we, we talked about it earlier, you know, just some, some of these decisions people make off of, uh, uh, false uh pretenses yeah it's just it's crazy to me man we see it every day and and not only in just hockey but like in sports and life and everything and that just is frustrating to me um you know i i do have a big issue and you know i mean i don't know We, we we've talked about this off the air numerous times you know own own it own it own it whatever it may be you know if if you think that you have a a a person that should be working a job, then own it, hire them. If they're not for that job, own it, tell them they're not right. If you, if you, if you're going to have a kid, make a team, tell them if he's not good enough, tell them. And that means you go one last kid on a team, go one last kid on a team. All right. Stop, stop giving people false hope. You know, then again, when you make mistakes, own it. But we know plenty of people out there that choose not to do that. Well, that's an honesty thing. You can't be honest with yourself. How the heck are you supposed to be honest with somebody else? Who knows, man? I Who mean, knows? And look, this goes back. This goes back to where we're at today, right? Listen, I, I mean, for forty-six years of my life, for forty-five years of my life, I never thought I'd be walking around public wearing a mask. Do I like it? No. Do I do it? Yeah. Because that's going to get us back to normal. But you got some of these yo-yos out there that are too proud to wear a freaking mask. Stop being a jack wagon and start wearing a mask so we can all get back to normal. Look, at the end of the day, it comes down to leadership, right? So you got to be a leader in your own house. You got to be a leader in your business. Hell, you got to be a leader in your country. When there's lack of leadership, there becomes chaos. What are we in? Chaos. So, I mean... People, the, the, the thing about, you know, make hiring a person that, that's el- or qualified or not and making a team or not, that's as old as time. And the, the sad part is that people get caught up in things that at the end of the day don't even matter. Are, are 90% of the players we've seen, come across, heard of, going to make it pro? Zero. No. There's a, what, 1%, I think there was 4% chance that all hockey players in the United States will make Division One. Something It's something crazy like that, right? I know it's a small percentage. But we're all chasing the same dream. I, I 100% agree with chasing the dream. 100% agree with it. Or be realistic. If you're lacking something, work on it and then try. But we're jumping in. It, it's, it's no different than we're playing games before we're practicing. Yeah. Why? Why? So stupid. So. I don't know. It I would, is. I, it is. I would, it is. I would, Again, I would love to keep is. going on this, but I'm just, it's, it's frustrating. And you know what I'd like to do is I'd like to have our listeners like go on our, our webpage or our Twitter uh, page, you know, and give us your thoughts. I mean, I, I know we can't talk to you in live or, you know, in real time, but we, we can definitely discuss this throughout our listeners. Something that we need to discuss. 
Yeah. You know, 100%. so I'd love, I'd love to talk about it. I'd love to talk. As about the saying it. goes, my friend, it's okay for things to be okay. <laughs> However, yeah. Yeah. no, because we got to create problems. We got to stir things. We got to, I mean, look, you're, you're interested in chasing a dream, chase that dream. hundred percent go full bore, do everything humanly possible to do that. Don't do it half ass. There's the problem. Another problem. You're supposed to be given this opportunity for what? How did you earn it? What did you earn? Nothing. Cause you don't put the work in. And I'm not speaking about a specific person. I'm speaking about as a whole, if you haven't put the work in, don't be mad when you didn't get the job. You didn't do the work to get. Is that right? I might have said yeah, that. That's, yeah, no, no, that's perfect. But, but, the, but part of the problem though, is that, is that people like you said before, will make decisions based on the bottom line. Oh, huh. and the oh. bottom line is I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to work coach, whatever. And I'm just going to do it for the money. I don't care about these kids. I don't know the crap. You know, look at a guy like Russ Zankowitz, Russ Zankowitz. He's at the rink every day working for freaking peanuts, making sure kids get better, not only on the ice, but off the ice yep. as well. Then we know other guys, then we know other guys in this city. And there's a reason why Cleveland youth hockey is so corrupt and is so jaded. Because there's other people in this city that could care less about the kids that just care about the money. Oh, yeah. How can it's like, how can I stay involved in the game and stay relevant and make a living? You can't. No, not it, in you, sports. No, you know, you can't. Well, not at all. I should say you can't because people do it and they ruin they ruin kids. But it is what it is. Yeah. So anyhow, I'll get off the soapbox because it's been another scorcher here in Cleveland. It's been hot as hell all week. We did get some rain. So let's get on the raft. Get in the water and float ourselves into the digest and see what's making news in the world of hockey. Ohio Hockey Digest is looking for writers to help cover the great game of hockey in and around Ohio. Contact Scott Harrington at 216-548-2345 or scott at ohiohockeydigest.com to find out more about the opportunities to contribute content to the website and the on-air podcast. The Columbus Mavericks of the United States Premier Hockey League are holding an open tryout in Columbus, August 14th to 16th at the Chiller Iceworks in Worthington. Each player who participates will receive an on-ice skills practice session, a minimum of three games, and a Columbus Mavericks tryout jersey. Cost is $225. Go to www.columbusmavericks.com to get more information and register for the tryout. The OHSA says fall sports will start on time, but they're were more COVID-related cancellations this week from the world of hockey. From College Hockey News, Minnesota Duluth has announced the official postponement of the 2020 Icebreaker Tournament, which was to be held at its Amsoil Arena on October 9th and 10th. The other teams that were scheduled to be in the tournament were Minnesota, Minnesota State, and Providence. From the Grand Forks Herald, the 2020 U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame game between the University of North Dakota and Penn State which sold out the 17,159-seat Bridgestone Arena, is going to be scrapped and potentially moved to a future year, according to multiple sources. The game was originally slated for October 17th, and UND quickly sold out the venue, which is located downtown and normally plays home to the NHL's Nashville Predators. Local player Adam Scheel is a goaltender for North Dakota. And... USA Hockey has announced the cancellation of the prestigious World Junior Summer Showcase in Ann Arbor. The showcase was set to take place from July 24th to July 31st, bringing together 44 U.S. players to begin the selection process for the upcoming 2021 World Juniors. 
The event was originally expected to host players from the U.S., Canada, Finland, and Sweden. There was an all-female goalie duel Thursday night in the Ohio Hockey Project's Future League at Winterhurst Arena in Lakewood. Hope Krasafi of the Gilmore Gladiators went head-to-head with Sophie Bellina of the Pittsburgh Penguins Elite in a game that saw the two young women go up against many of the top U19 players in Northeast Ohio. Krasafi of Bay Village is headed to Union College this fall to begin her NCAA Division I career, while Medina native Bellina, a year younger, remains uncommitted. The Digest Scott Harrington caught up with Krasafi before the game to see what she is doing this summer to get ready for the start of her college career. Yeah, so I'm doing a few goalie camps with my goalie coach, Neil Conway, and, you know, getting on the ice here and there, whatever he has, extra um, ice sessions. And I'm doing a workout packet that our strength coach sent out. That's pretty intense, so keeping busy. And you'll be starting at Union in the fall? Yeah. So have they told you were things on schedule, or is it kind well, of up in the air right now? Or I mean, so far the season start is supposed to be in January, so already half the season's off. But, you know, and even that's at stake right now. We're just all waiting to see. It's all in the area. Yeah. Uh, But would you be going to campus in September? So So that starts so you get your uh, studies underway? Oh, yeah. You know, if you think about our our region and uh, women's hockey, think about the the amount of women's goaltending that we've sent out of Cleveland. You've got Lindsey Wallace, who we talked to. You've got Krasafi. You've got Belina. Years ago, you had a goaltender out of Holy Name High School, Anna Sitkovich. we got some high-level female goaltenders coming out of Cleveland. And that doesn't even count the U.S. Women's National Program where we've sent, you know, a few players as well. I mean, you look at the feeder programs, be it the Lady Barons, be it the uh, uh, Gilmore program over there. You look at the Ohio Flames uh, when they were around. It's getting bigger. It's growing. People are doing the right things. You know, uh, Shauna, Conway. Yeah. You got people like that in key positions that are making women's hockey better, growing the game for the women, giving them a place to play. The talent level is increasing because the competition level is increasing. It's a win-win across the board. Now, the fact that, you know, uh, Hope and and Sophie are, are playing in the Futures League, you got – uh, one of our guests today, Lauren Bernard, playing in the uh, Summer Elite League. I mean, man, it's growing, and it's phenomenal, phenomenal to watch. The Men Are Icebreakers signed four more players this past week, including goaltender Lane Timmons. Timmons will have the opportunity to battle for a roster spot this October on a professional tryout. The 20-year-old Gibson City, Illinois native, checks in at six foot six and 273 pounds. Excuse me? Yeah, hey, covering that net, buddy. What did, for, what, did, what did you say he was 6'6", 273? 6'6", Probably moves like grease lightning. Covering that net, man. Good for him. wonder if he's a stand-up goalie. I wonder if his nickname is Lane the Tree Timmons. <laughs> he played for the Niagara Whalers of the GMHL last season, posting a 2.48 goals against average and a .932 save percentage. Official Ohio Hockey Digest scouting report submitted by Scott Harrington. And I quote, he doesn't give shooters much to look at. So my question, 6'6", 273. 
Who's the biggest, largest goaltender and or smallest goaltender you can remember playing against and or coaching against? Coaching for, coaching against. Poof. Oh, I, I, I don't know. You can't just let I mean, no, I, my, my brain's too fried at this you, point. But How about those guys at St. John's? I mean, now, those. One year, one year both, the, both the St. John's goalies were easily up over 6'5". Uh, easily, Jay. Easily. I mean, geez, um, oh, man. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I'd have to think about that and get back to get back to them. Let's let's table that to the next uh, episode so that we can think about that. But I do. Speaking of last episode, I do have to make a correction. I <laughs> I stated Chris is going to love. This. I Go stated ahead. that the Sundin Twins played at Kenston and they did not. I was wrong, and I admit when I'm wrong. I'm like some it? people. Did you own it? I owned it. Um, they played for CBCA, which is out of Chris's uh, territory that he covers. So I do apologize both to the Sundean Twins and to Chris uh, because they did have wonderful careers at CBCA. Um, I just got it confused with Kenston. So, Chris, uh, you were right. I do apologize. Well, I know we're going to have Chris on in a few weeks, so uh, that'll be good to sit down and talk to him. He's always a fair writer and always does his homework, and he's always been good to us. We will enjoy having that conversation with him. For sure. For sure. Let's get to our first guest here on air, home of the Clarkson Knights and assistant captain Lauren Bernard. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest on air podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Hockey Project. The Ohio Hockey Project skill development process is an innovative and progressive as it gets. Their educational process maximizes time away from the ice where they enrich the athlete's life skills. They discuss critical topics such as nutrition, goal setting, attitude, work ethic, preparation, performance training, and injury prevention. The fun delivery and overall process instills confidence and passion in athletes. Our next guest is a rising star in the game of hockey. She's honed her skills with the Penn's Elite program, as well as the Selects Academy in Rochester, New York. Before even entering college, she represented the United States at the U18 Women's World Championships in Japan, taking home the silver medal. Playing in all 37 games this past season for the Clarkson University Golden Knights, she tallied two goals, 11 assists, to go along with an impressive plus 23 rating and 65 blocked shots. She's a 2019 USA Today First Team All-American, and she's also a member of the National Honor Society. Please welcome on air the assistant captain of the Clarkston University women's hockey team, the pride of Madison, Ohio Blue Streaks, Lauren Bernard. Welcome, Lauren. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks for joining us. Those are some pretty impressive stats. And as a hockey coach in today's world, I'm loving the fact that you blocked 65 shots last year. That's got to be, that's got to feel good. <laughs> oh, gotta, yeah, of course. We got to give a shout out to your equipment. Who is it? CCM, Bauer? Uh, CCM. CCM. Well, CCM's doing a heck of a job with that protective if you're stepping in front of 65 shots. That's phenomenal. <laughs> so I, I, I would love for our listeners to also understand and, and hear that sometimes a block shot, actually most time a block shot is is should be celebrated just as well as a goal, don't you don't you think? Uh yes, of course. Um definitely block shots can get the team going on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So we want to hear all about your experiences at Clarkson with Team USA. But first, tell us a little bit about how you got started playing. Uh, then when did you leave Lake County for Pittsburgh and, and then the Selects Academy? Um, so I actually first started um, growing up. My cousin, who 
um, lived in Colorado. He billeted in Cleveland and played for the Cleveland Barons. So when I was super little, I would always go and watch his games. And I was like, oh, I think I want to do that. So then I started off in Menor like really young and I loved it. And I kept going ever since. And uh, when I went to Pittsburgh, I think I was about U12 when I started playing with their girls program. And when I first started there, I was also still playing with um, boys teams in Cleveland. So I did two teams, like one season for, I did that for a few seasons. And then I eventually went to all girls. So in January of 2019, you were selected to represent the United States at the under 18 world hockey championships in Japan. As often the case you have in the winter, in women's international hockey, excuse me, you have team USA and team Canada are usually the favorites going in. Uh, could you tell us about first about the big three to two win over Canada in round robin? And do you think that was the best competition you had ever faced up to that point? Um, yes, I think it was, especially playing against um, Team Canada. You know, they're the best Canadian girls. And I've, like, growing up playing on Pittsburgh and my selects teams, I've been able to play against them. But you know, they're all individuals on their teams, but then having them together on a single team was obviously some really good competition. And um, the 3-2 win in the round robin was like, it was a really good win. Um, I think we were very confident. We felt good. And we unfortunately ended up falling short in the final against them. Right. And you guys met again in the gold medal game and came out on yeah. the wrong side of that one in overtime. What are the things you think you learned and took away from that experience of playing internationally? Um, that there's just a lot of good girls out there and there's a lot of talent out there that I didn't even know about. And like I said, I've played against like most of the Canadian girls a lot, but it also shows you like how good they actually are and how you have to keep working and like, sticking to your plan because you're eventually going to see them in college and like they're always going to be there they're always going to be tough competition so if you want to be above them you have to keep working you know I, I think I think what you just said right there was you know it's almost we, we hear you know when you leave high school and you go to college you go from a little fishbowl to an aquarium and then you get into the real world and you get into an ocean, right? And the same situation, you were playing against some just fishbowl competition, and then boom, now you're playing in this whole ocean of competition against the best in the world. And and what an experience that must have been for you. Mm -hmm, of course, and it wasn't only like the Canadians, like Russia, they have some really good talent that I've obviously never seen before because they're overseas and you only get that opportunity once in a lifetime so that was really cool to see those girls and like Slovakia it was just a really cool experience to see some talent I've never seen before did you did you did you befriend I'm sorry did you befriend some of those girls <laughs> I mean well maybe was, um, maybe befriending is probably not the proper term are, but are any of your teammates were yeah, any right. of your current teammates at Clarkson are any, were any of those girls on the on team Canada uh, yes. Um, That's cool. yeah. And like one of the freshman defensemen, one of my pretty good friends, um, she was on team Canada and I like 
I kind of met her through that and through playing against her. And so, you know, we obviously had that connection and um, were able to become friends before getting on campus, which was really cool. And there's um, girls coming in as freshmen this year that I also played against in the world championship and they were on team Canada. So that's really cool. And Clarkson, we have like 75% of our team's Canadian. So a lot of those girls are involved with uh, team Canada. So it's really cool like to see who makes those camps. And like, if I keep making those camps, like being able to play against them. Well, I, I imagine the betting has to be, the stakes have to be pretty high in betting too. <laughs> you know, like if you beat them, they have to wear a USA jersey around campus. Or if they beat you, then maybe you got to sing the Canadian national anthem before dinner. I don't know. Maybe that's an option. <laughs> I've ne- we've honestly never thought about there doing anything like that, but it's definitely been oh, pretty well, fun. Well, there you did. go. Now you got, now you yeah. got yourself some, some things to do. There you go. Lauren, I don't want to get yeah. into NCAA uh, rules violations, but I mean, since you can't bet money, maybe you could run like a scam on them and you guys just boat race them out of the rink one time. And all of a sudden, there's, you know, 15 Canadians running around with USA hockey jerseys on. That would be yeah. fantastic. <laughs> if you could take a picture of it and send it to us, we will definitely put it on the website for you. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so what's next? What's the next opportunity for you uh, to potentially represent the U.S. international competition? Um, the next step would be the U-22s. And last year I was fortunate enough to be selected as an alternate they called me um two weeks it was like two weeks before the camp and said hey like someone can't come do you want to come and I was like of course like (laughs) yeah and and um last year I was the youngest like the youngest age eligible for the U22 so it was really cool and that was my first time playing against like girls who already been through a few years of college and I wasn't even college yet. So I think that really helped my transition as well. And that camp was in um, mid August, I believe, right before I went to school. And uh, unfortunately this year with the pandemic um, that got canceled and they're not, there's no camp. And so hopefully next year I'll be able to continue with them. So you do all this before your jump to Division One college hockey, and that's a big jump. But your freshman year at Clark- Clarkston, it's as if you'd been there for 10 years. I mean, it was absolutely outstanding. In your opinion, what do you think were the biggest things that helped you prepare for such a high level of NCAA Division One? Um, I would say when I went to – selects academy my senior year of high school like with the pens I've I learned a lot and I'm so grateful for being able to play with the pens but I think going to selects it really just like put the cherry on top they um they really taught you how to work hard and being able to skate every day because I didn't have that at Pittsburgh and in Cleveland so being able to skate every day train every day I think that really helped my transition and like I said the camp in August what helped me a lot too because we're the Olympians were there as well so it was U22s and Olympians on the same ice and that speed and the physicality and I think that just one week really helped me transition all right so uh sit back both of you guys on this uh call and 
Uh, this is going to be a while for me to go through all the different schools that you passed up, but you were recruited by Providence, Vermont, Quinnipiac, Yale, Penn State, Ohio State, Minnesota State, Boston University, and Cornell. Why Clarkson? And I'm not asking that in a way of, oh, like, why Clarkson? Clarkson's an unbelievable school, unbelievable tradition. But why Clarkson? Uh, well, before I made my decision, I actually um, took a sheet of paper and wrote down all the schools that I visited and was talking to. And then at the top, I put 10 things that were very important to me in a school. And as I went like through the schools and check boxes off, there were like, I think three schools that filled eight to nine of the boxes. And Clarkson was obviously one of them. And it was interesting because like Ohio State, I like the campus and being from Ohio and like the football team, I thought that aspect would have been cool. But once I went through and I checked the boxes off and realized that I actually didn't want a bigger school, I wanted a smaller school, then I, I was kind of like, wow, like once I looked at the paper, because it was a lot different than how I might have felt on campus, if you know what I mean. Yep. Mm -hmm. But um I think it was the small school, like the small classrooms that I think that's really suits me best. And um, math and science are like my favorite subjects and Clarkson's really good in those. So that was another thing. And obviously their outstanding hockey program. Right. So, so as, as you are choosing this, and I think it's important to know uh, for our listeners to know you, you, this wasn't just a, a quick decision. Like you made a decision based off of, uh, you, you know, evidence, if you will, on where you wanted to go. And I think that's important for anyone that's going through the recruiting process, that a name doesn't mean it's just the best fit for you. Right. And let me ask you this question with, with you having such a great freshman year and you getting the opportunity to play as much as you did freshman year at Clarkson, did that, did that play into it at all? Well, I knew going in that they, um, they kept like a roster of 23, so they weren't gonna have scratches. And they told me they're like, um, we try to keep it every year where there's six defensemen. So I was like, oh, that's perfect. So it had a little bit of an impact, but also there's still 60. Like there are times where they're running 4D, you still had to be top four to get playing time. Sure. So you still had to earn your spot. Right. So it played a bit, it played a little bit, but not completely. I understand. Yeah. So I'm guessing as well, actually I'm not guessing anymore because you told us this, you got your start playing on mixed teams of boys and girls, eventually playing strictly girls. How was that experience growing up and how do you see, or have you seen the women's game improving over the years? Um, I think playing on boys teams helped me a lot, especially when I was younger and I actually played boys. I played one year of checking. And then after that year, that's when I went to all girls just to get that one year being extra physical. And, and honestly, college hockey is, even though it's girls, it's pretty physical. And that one year of checking, I think really helped a lot. And so I think growing up playing with the boys and, they're always super competitive and it was so nice to go against them. And then when I would go against them, then I go back to girls. Sometimes it was like, Oh, this isn't as bad. Like I'm overprepared. Like I'm ready for this. And I just felt a lot better after 
playing with the boys, going back to is girls. There, is there is there a huge and, difference in the style of play? I know we, we asked Shauna Conway the same question, and I'm just curious to get your take on it. What do you mean, like the style of play? Like, well, Shauna had said where where the boys seem to be going 200 miles an hour in every direction. The girls are more methodic in make a few more passes and actually set things up in say entering the zone or or on a back check, similar something like that. Did it did it seem that when you played with the boys, it was I don't want to call it out of control, but it was more like everybody going 200 miles an hour doing nothing. Or, or doing trying to do something versus the women's game which it's it's more I don't want to say skill based but more skill based to an extent it's mm -hmm. there's more passing involved there's more setup involved there's more thought goes into the zone entry seeing yeah. the ice is a lot better yeah I definitely agree with that um I feel like playing with the boys like they is like who's the fastest skater like speed and just being physical and rough in the corners. That was like what they did, but like I tend to overanalyze. And sometimes if I'm unsure of myself, then my brain's working so fast that I'm like not moving as fast. So I, I totally see what um, Shauna is saying by like, it seems like the girls, they think more and they are not as like, go, go, go. But, but I mean, they movement. do still play. Yeah. Still they still movement. play with speed, but they're more, yeah. I feel like they're contained and like nothing against boys, but I feel like we might use our brain more and boys just like go. No, no, you can say it because it's true. 100%. It's true. <laughs> you've, been uh, sitting, you've been sitting in this podcast for how long now? You should notice that you are much smarter than the two of us combined. So it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you a great example of, of how the difference is. And maybe this can just like shore this up. My my youngest daughter played for a while, and she played on a girls' team and a boys' team. Uh, and she would come off the ice to me and be like, Dad, <laughs> every time we're waiting in line for a drill, the boys are hitting each other over the head with their sticks, right? So as, 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 my, as the girls on the team were trying to figure out the drill and trying to listen to the drill, young boys, and again, I, I, I've got two daughters, so I don't know what it's like to raise uh, boys. Lev, you do, and Danny does, because they, they both have sons. But it, it's just more uh, reactionary and just kind of out of control. Now, as you get older in the game, as you get older in the game, um, you know, and we've coached, we coach at a high school level and, and at a high high school level, and we, we have played against some women players that do not get rattled, are very, very emotionally stable when it comes to, you know, not having people rattle them. Uh, they understand the game better. So it, it is, I, I, hopefully, I'm, hopefully I'm explaining that a little bit more of what Shauna was saying as well. So one thing that you did that not a lot of people get to do, and, and I just want to know the emotion behind this, but uh, you were able to score your first career NCAA goal, and you also had an assist on the game winner in that same game at Robert Morris. Um, there's a lot of people in this world that don't get to say they had their first they scored an NCAA goal, an NCAA touchdown, basket, hit a home run, hit a single, whatever it may be. Can you talk us through that game at Robert Morris and what emotions you felt scoring your first collegiate goal? I remember um, coming up to the blue line and my teammate got the puck in the corner and she passed up to the point. And that whole week prior, like during practice and stuff, 
I, re I really tried to work on my shot. I knew I wanted to shoot more and I knew that was something that I like had to work on. And so I said, okay, I'm just going to get this puck and I'm going to rip it. And I wound up for a slap shot and it went in and I like, I did not expect it to go in. I just was trying to get a puck on net, honestly, but it was, it was definitely really cool. And being in Pittsburgh at Robert Morris and yeah. um, growing up playing with the pens, I've skated at that rink countless times. And I actually had a lot of family in the stands. I have cousins that live in Pittsburgh. So there was a lot of family in the stands, which was really cool to score my first goal there. But like I said, I honestly just try to get a puck on that and it went in. <laughs> so I'll, I'll ask the typical question to that. Uh, what was your celly like? Like, what did you do for that? Oh, I'm not a big cellier. I, <laughs> I just kind of throw my arms in the air and whoever's closest, I just like go to them. Yeah. So any, any, ch any chance when you, when you score this upcoming year, maybe we can get you to do the violin. Where you hold your arm out and use your stick as a bow and oh. play the violin. Yeah. That'd be a good one. Yeah. There's a, <laughs> I've tried to, I'm like, okay, next time I score, I have to sell. You have to do this Sally and I have it all planned in my head. And then when I score, it just, uh, I'd never follow through. <laughs> oh, every time on. I played though, learn every time I played, whenever I tried to orchestrate a Sally, I still am waiting to score. So at least you, at least <laughs> you score, right. You know, so. <laughs> so what you, you have obviously your, your academics lined up national honor society, uh, president's award for academics on the Clarkson women's hockey team. What's a typical day like for you as a student athlete at Clarkson? Um, so I'll just take you through uh, Monday and I had a 8 a.m. class on Monday, I believe. So it really just depends on your schedule, but Mondays we have classes about like eight to four, like whenever your classes are, like some people have no classes, some have like two, three classes, it all depends. I think my Monday I had about three classes and I think I was done around two. And then we would have our lift at four, four to five. And then we'd skate 5.30 till like 6.37, whenever. Um, and then after that, we just cool down, go get something to eat and then basically head back to the dorms and either study or go to bed, like depending if you had to get up early the next morning for 8 a.m. class. But, and usually in between my classes, I would try to study and get work done since we're so busy with hockey and any chance I'm not at the rink or not in class, I be either eating or studying, so. Okay. You know, it's interesting. Some of the, some of the collegiate athletes we talked to this uh, for these podcasts, state that they skate at like one o'clock or two o'clock in the afternoon. The fact that you guys skate at five o'clock is interesting. Well, actually our, that's our Monday, Wednesday schedule. And then Tuesday, Thursday, we skate at 11, 15 in the morning. So, so, so do you guys, do you guys work out every day or is it multiple times a week or what, what is your, is it, is it always a lift on practice days or? Uh, no, we just lift on Monday, Wednesday, and then Tuesday, Thursday, we just skate. Okay. So, and then that was like for our first semester, then our second <clears throat> semester, like coming up to playoffs. And usually we have, um, more of our important games in the back end or more league games in the back end of our season. So, um, we usually go down to 
one lift a week. And then this past season, we had so many injuries. We, there, we barely could get numbers to even like run a practice. So we totally would cut workout out. Like once it got to playoffs and we weren't even lifting anymore and just skating, doing skills and just keep stuff like guys, that. Just keeping the body rested. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So the Clarkson media guy that we looked at says that you're undecided in major. Have you narrowed it down to anything? Um, I actually decided like right before finals of my spring semester. So I decided on mechanical engineering and I'm looking into minoring in either biology or biomedical engineering. Yeah, easy so, stuff there. Yeah. Just popped in your head. No big deal. So this is one thing, this is one thing that I, I find very interesting. And I think, you know, and this isn't this, I'm not knocking any university and, and I, I know I'll probably take heck for this uh, when I say this, but what, whatever, I'm going to say it anyhow, schools like Clarkson athletes like yourself who uh, are academically uh, higher than, than most uh, usually make the best athletes. Look at a, a team like Yale. Look at a team like, you know, I'm just using Yale as an example. Clark's an example. High academics and really good athletic. Do you, th- do you think that your academic smarts, not just yours, but your teammates, whatever, have an impact, uh, help you guys on the ice as well? I do. I believe it. I believe it's a huge part of it. I believe so, too, because I like the time management that goes into um, school and keeping your academics and your grades up and um, – just basically making sure you're getting your work done. You have to, if you're able to work off the ice and with your academics and you're most likely going to work on the ice because you just, you have that mentality and you know, like I have to get this done. This is what I have to do. So I think there is a correlation and being on such a like strict schedule, you know, like when you have to do your stuff and, um, get your homework done or study for tests and stuff like that. And usually if you want to be very successful in the sport, you also want to be successful in the classroom. Absolutely. Well, Lauren, I'm an educator by, by trade. So I, I, I agree with that a hundred percent. So, so upcoming season, I'm sure a lot is in the up in the air. Um, what is told, what is Clarkson told you possibly about the upcoming season due to all the pandemic restrictions? Um, as of now, we, I actually have to go back August 1st to quarantine for 14 days. And I think our classes start August 19th. So the school and the president, he, he wants the kids back, like, but we're taking, they're taking a bunch of precautions and like, I have to get a COVID test and all that. So, but they're really pushing to get the students back on campus for school and as far as hockey goes, I know the IVs, they aren't starting sports till January. And we have four or five Ivy League schools in our league. And the St. Lawrence is a school like 15 minutes down the road from us. They're not going back to school until January. So um, there hasn't been um, a decision yet on whether like what's happening with our league and if we're still going to play. So we're just kind of waiting for that. Could, could it be a situation where if Clarkson is back, but a, a large majority of your league is not, that it just becomes almost an independent schedule or an open schedule to where maybe you'd see Minnesota's more or Wisconsin's more or Ohio state's more or whoever that is, you know, Penn state, whoever that maybe mm-hmm. if they are there, 
then let's play. Mm-hmm. Could it be something like that? Or you really haven't heard anything? We really haven't heard, but my guess is like, especially with like the Minnesota and um, Wisconsin schools like that, we'd have to fly. And I don't know who covers the cost of that if NCAA does. And like with the pandemic, I don't know if that's really the best option. And there's even talk like if we travel because Clarkson's saying the students, they want to keep them in like a certain region up north by the school. But if we're traveling three, four hours south and we go back, like there's a chance that we could bring COVID back. Do they even want, you know, do they even want that? So we haven't really heard anything. And there's talk of the schools that are in our league um, that want to play if they play games up until January and somehow incorporate the Ivies back in and then maybe push our playoffs back. So there's been talk of that, but we've we're everything's still up in the air and we have not heard a like a final decision yet. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna uh I have kind of a couple questions here for you in a row. So uh the first one's not really a question. It's because I want you, I know this might be hard for you to do, but I want you to tell us um Clarkson has I mean I'm gonna say it and I know you're a very modest person and and but Clarkson has has absolutely taken over uh some of the top teams in the country as number one in the country I will say that um you're shaking your head yes um can you talk to us what what's that like I mean you you guys have supplied you guys have gone over Minnesota as the number one team in the country I will say it I just said it so what, what, Mm -hmm. what's your thoughts about that? Um, in a lot of like when they were beating like Minnesota and Wisconsin, it was when I was committed and I still had a few years before I was coming. And, um, I, I went up, stayed with a friend in Minnesota and watched the frozen four when they went back to back. And it was, it was something, it was cool. And just to see that and, like watching them throughout their years as I was committed, um, how they would beat teams. They were like beating teams like 7-1 and it like they just made it seem so easy. And I came in and out and I realized it is not that easy to stay <laughs> number three, number four, because they just made it seem so easy. And then I came in and I think we we're ranked seventh last year. So you could tell like the girls were upset and it wasn't what they have done the past few years, but even being seven was still like really cool. And so it just put into perspective how hard it is to stay on top. Absolutely. So now you're home, you're back here in Ohio and um, you're getting, you know, hopefully getting ready for your sophomore year, which everybody hopes that, that you're able to have that. Um, I can't wait now that we've gotten to, talking me to, to, to watch you throughout this next year. Uh, God willing that there's a season as you're getting ready for your mm-hmm. sophomore year. Uh, you were named assistant captain this season as a sophomore. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> um, and you're only the third female to be asked to play in the summer elite league at the Ohio hockey project uh, behind some big names, Kelly stack and Audrey Warner. Uh, how has that experience been so far? And can you tell us what uh, the skills, has it helped you? Has it sharpened you? What What's that like? Uh, it's, I think it's definitely helped a lot. And 
the the guys I'm playing against, they're so good. They're so fast. They're so skilled and like way more skilled than some of the girls I'm seeing and playing against. So they're always, they always keep me on their toes. That's for sure. Um, but going in, I was, I was like really nervous and I, I've skated with Russ, um, the past few summers now, and he's honestly supported me so much. So, and when he, um, invited me to play, I like that gave me confidence and I knew, okay, if he believes in me, like I can do this, but I was still very nervous going in. And I think it took like the first few games to like get the jitters out, but I think I'm finally settling in. And I, I, those first few games, I think I played it safe, but um, I'll definitely try and like step it up and like set goals for myself each game. And um, what team, what team are you on in, in, in the league? Um, I'm with Russ on the tropics. Okay. Well, maybe I was going to say, I was hopefully you're not on the snakes. We, we interviewed uh, Tyler Harkins from the snakes the other day. No, so no. We're, we're going to give you a few things like maybe in a scrum of some sort, maybe you can whisper a couple things in somebody's ear and get them off their game. We know a couple guys that play in that league. So maybe a little trash talk will up the ante for you in that league. Okay. <laughs> no, but but Lauren, I I have to say, and 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 Russ and I and 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 Jay, you know, we've in preparing for this interview, we talked to Russ a little bit, and 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 you know, he speaks very very highly of you and your skill, and and um and where you're at, not only where you're at, but where you're going with your career, uh, when it comes to hockey, but also outside of that, academic uh, academics as well. So you know, it, it's important for us not only to get hockey uh the good word of hockey out to people but it's also important for us to get the the men's and the women's side out as well so we can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast talking to us learning about your your story and uh and where you're going to go and and i i really hope and i know we will uh, but i really hope that some of our listeners continue to follow your journey uh as uh you go through clarkson university i really hope that you guys have a season this year um for everybody Right. And so uh, we do appreciate you coming on the show. So thank you so much, Lauren. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me. I had a lot of fun. It was nice talking to you. Just a couple of guys in Akron. Our next guest from University of Akron, head coach Matt Cook and assistant coach Greg Ravak. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest on air podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Hockey Project. The Ohio Hockey Project recognizes that Cleveland hockey players need to have a truly homegrown, world-class development opportunity right here at home. The project takes great pride and responsibility in being Cleveland's first and original independent skill development organization that sets the industry and standard and relentless works to break that standard year in and year out. From on-ice sessions to dry land sessions, classroom and video analysis, the Ohio Hockey Project surrounds athletes with every resource they could ever need. Our next guests are part of the collective that helps guide the University of Akron's ACHA men's hockey team. Throughout his tenure with the team, head coach Matt Cook, Coach Cookie, has taken boys he recruits and made them men. Through his Life U program, he has prepared young hockey players to be citizens of a global working environment. He's a level five USA hockey coach and has coached every level from mites to college. In addition to ice hockey, Coach Cookie also coaches lacrosse and chess. We will talk about that. We are hoping he doesn't make us do too many push-ups today, 
please welcome on air the head coach of the University of Akron hockey team, Matt Cook. Welcome, Matt. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Joining Coach Cook today, this guest is a graduate of the University of Akron. In his three-year campaign playing for the Zips, he's led the team in all three years in total points. He was also a member of the university's roller hockey team. Currently, he is the assistant coach for the Zips, as well as a contributor for many coaching websites with his dynamic breakdown of games, plays, and skills, helping players improve it to their potential. Thank goodness we do not do this podcast on video where he will break down every one of our weaknesses. Welcome on air, assistant coach of the University of Akron team, Greg Rayback. Welcome, Coach Rayback. I think you're perfect. I have nothing to add on that. <laughs> no breakdowns yes. here. Yes. Not yet. Hey, not yet, right? Not yet. Yeah, well, we'll see how All this right. goes. That'll do it for today. Thanks for coming by, guys. We're going to get out while we're ahead. So, Coach Cook, you spent over 30 years coaching experience from Mites to college, but you say your primary job at Akron is to help young men graduate from college in a timely fashion and get a job. You know, can you talk to our listeners about life you? And I think what this comes down to is after having done this job for a number of years and just being frustrated with uh, kids that we were, were rentals. I mean, you'd have them for a semester or two and then they're gone academically. So I, I think the best way to say it is I'm trying to be more Scott Galloway than Scotty Bowman. Yeah. Uh, you know, if we could work on helping these kids develop, you know, to first to become good employees and then hopefully good husbands and good fathers and eventually good coaches. Um, so we're, we recognize that none of our players are going to get paid to play hockey. Right? It is what it is. So what can we do to enhance the education while they're in that just unbelievable growth period of four to five years of college. And I, if we didn't do this, um, I think it would be a waste. And yes, it's, it's distinctive. It's relatively unique, unfortunately. Um, but I hope through uh, sessions like this, this is something that we can contaminate the sport with. And you know, if another coach out there likes what he hears, good Lord, please contact. We, we will happily share everything we do on this uh, to see if we can make this better. You know, I think that's, I, I'm sorry, Jay. I, no, I think it's ahead, huge. Go. I think it's huge what you just said that, you know, we're, we are, and, and I'm an edge, I've been in education for 17 years mm -hmm. now. We are done with the rental student, if you will. And, and I, I coach, I agree with you hundred percent. I think he was an educator, not only as a hockey guy, but as an educator for what you have uh, installed, instilled with that Life View program, that the rental hockey player just to go play for a semester and then whatever, that's gone. That needs to be gone. You know, the ACHA has done such a great job. You know, we had Tim Driscoll on the other day from uh, the T, and you guys are doing such a great job in the ACHA of making the student athlete um, play at a high level, but also it's demanding that their academics is just as high. So we, you know, that's a, that's a great program. And, and I, 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 I would always love to push any player that wants to go play in the ACHA that maybe want to stay close to home or go to a, a great institution like yours to be a part of that life. You. Greg can speak to this better. I mean, back when Greg was playing ACHA, I would say half of our opponents were more motorcycle gang than hockey team. <laughs> I mean, it, 
I mean, the drug use was rampant. The uh, discipline was non-existent. The games were three and a half hours. Um, so I, I'm, I agree. I'm very excited that we're making this transition. And I think it's, it's a lot easier to do in D2 club. That's D1. D1 club, you're still going to get a lot, I would call, talented cancers who are coming out of juniors. Yeah. Um, you know, it is what it is. But, I mean, Greg, if you could talk about the game – I'm sorry to take over the job. But, Greg, if you could talk about the difference that you see in D2 club now versus six years ago. It's almost night and day. I mean, the, the competition level, um, even recruiting, is through the roof. I mean, these they, they recruit almost better than NCAA teams because they don't have the same restrictions. So you've gone from teams that have kind of just been put together by who goes to those universities to now they're all scouting, they're all recruiting. Um, we're part of that. Kent State's part of that. Uh, I've seen it. It's unbelievable. Um, even just the talent of coaching that they're getting as well um, into the ACHA and all the schools are having. I mean, OU is a great program. Phil Oberlin did a great job putting that D2 team to the point where they were even doing national. So it wasn't just the D1, it's D2, and it filters down. And I remember when I was playing, we were, we were beating D1 teams. So the, all the schools, regardless of uh, the level, are, are pretty talented. So I'm an incoming freshman, University of Akron. How, what is my No, 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 Jay, 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 you have no eligibility left. You can't be. No, actually, I have four years. Many years. My college days are done. However, <laughs> I have eligibility left. I, I, I actually, uh, Tim Driscoll checked into that for me over the weekend. So I'm, I'm actually, I can play. Oh, okay. Magical um, fifth year for law school. Well, fifth year <laughs> they got a I mean, bachelor's and a sixth hey hey what do you got for year seven eight and nine um if i'm an incoming freshman what is my introduction to life you it happens way before you're an incoming freshman um and i've got two boys who are in college right now so i went through the college selection process twice and the one that really hit me my oldest uh was interested in virginia military institute which is the second to last bastion of true hazing. So their philosophy is that you bring the kids in, they spend a night in the barracks, which probably is more like a prison. So that, you know, once the kids get there, there's no surprises. So by the time the kid actually enrolls, he's been to a prospects gate, he's been contacted by us. And our typical recruiting process is that if we can get the kid to come to one of our Monday night practices prior to November 1st, he will attend a life use session without his parents. He will then go on the ice and practice with the team. And then if we're still seeing that we're a fit, then we'll put him on the bench for a home game. You know, got to wear a coat and tie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to give him a feel for the college speed and the college tactics, that sort of thing. But it's weeded out the uh, talented cancers. I mean, we look at the kids we've got coming in this year, we've got three captains and, and that's exactly what we want. So we would much rather have fewer quality kids than the rentals. So if the, the, I mean, there's no uh, surprises. While the kids are out on the prospect skate, which Greg does a great job of selling out every year. Um, I'm in the other room with the parents, explain like you, explain the philosophy and saying, look, we are not for everyone, but it, it's not going to be a surprise. Right. So I, all right, you've mentioned talented cancer. 
couple times now, twice now. Could you explain to the listeners what that means to you? I, I mean, fairly obvious to most, but we may have some new listeners that maybe are hearing that term for the first time. A talented cancer to me is, a, you know, a great player, but instead of lifting his teammate up, makes himself better by putting a kid down. You know, and we're going to have different levels of skill. You're going to have that everywhere you go. And damn it, if you had more skill, you wouldn't be in D2 club. But if, if it's necessary to pad your ego by ripping a kid down, now I've got a team of figure skaters instead of hockey players. I'll tell you what, this is good stuff right here, man. This is the stuff that our kids at the high school and junior levels need to hear. And anyone that's listening to this, you know, I, I want you to rewind that, go back, and listen to it again a hundred times. Yeah, I mean, I coach in the Futures League. I can tell you, you know, some of those kids that I'm looking at, even for Akron, where I'm like, hey, I'm not going to really recruit them at all based on their, their talents versus their body language. Um, and, that, and that's something. I, I've had some kids out in the Futures Leagues that have kind of embarrassed themselves. So when, whether like I'm recruiting for Akron or I'm talking with N N NA coaches or NCDC, maybe those kids I'm not going to exactly recommend because they're going to make me look bad if they go there and they're cancer. Well, Greg, you know this. We've all, I mean, I, you and I have spoke at the rings before. We, we've, we, we, we know who some of those kids are and who they can be and who they can't be. But that's one of the biggest, that's one of the hardest things, talking to a high school kid and saying, listen, your selfishness is ruining your success. Right? I mean, you, you, if, if you could, yeah, oh, if you could stop being selfish and start being a team player, that's why it's a, that's why it's a team game. If you don't want to play a team game, go play golf or go play tennis, or whatever it may be. No disrespect. I just played golf today. I love the game. But I, today, I sucked. And the guy I played against did not. <laughs> you know, so I lose, right? So it is what it is. But, um, yeah, I mean, what you said earlier, Coach, about, you know, picking somebody else up instead of your own ego, man, our kids need to uh, – everybody, not just our kids, just they need to hear that, and they have to rewind that and listen to it daily. There's a saying I have, there's four levels. When you're first starting out, you're playing for your parent. You know, they're the one who bought the equipment. They're the one who's taking you to the rink. Level two, you start playing for your coach. You, you get to the point where you recognize the coach knows more than dad, and you're trying to do what the coach is trying to teach you. Eventually, you get pretty good, and you start playing for yourself. That's level three. It's only level four where you start to play for your team. And, you know, look, we haven't had it every year. I mean, there, there have been some years where, honest to God, we should have been an HBO uh, series. I mean, you know, rather than. Until so I die. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we're trying to get to that level four. And, and we now have enough critical mass of quality human beings that I'm confident that we would drive out a talented cancer. And if you guys could come up with another name for that, that would be great. That would probably need something <laughs> a little more PC. No, but, no, no, no. I mean, no, I mean, why, why? Honest. You know, here's, Jay and I, you, when you listen to this podcast and, and you're going <laughs> to listen to the first, the first thing we talk about it at the start of this podcast is why own it. Why, why does it have to be PC? It's not PC. The player is a talent and they're also a cancer. Get them the hell out of here. So call it what it is, right? Well, I've been, working for, I've been working for Mitch Korn since I was 15 years old. So, I, you know, there's. Yeah. 
So, so for the listeners that don't know Mitch Corn, he's probably the greatest ever goaltending coach. Um, but he has no filter, and I think him and Cookie are in competition for the shortest person on the bench. Really, really got to get on the bench so you can see over the players. Oh, here we go! Right now, Mitch Corn will be in the Hockey Hall of Fame as the first non-head coach. And you look at the business he's got with. I, I would, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. And the the amount of goaltenders, not even goaltenders. I mean, that's what he does. But goaltenders and, and players that he has uh, worked with, they, they'd vouch for that as well. Yeah, not not bad for a short blind kid who went to Kent. Yeah, right, right. Good work if you can get it, huh? Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Jay, that job reads a lot better than it lives. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. So coach cook over a 30 year span, how did you decide the college level is where you thought you would make the biggest impact? I didn't. I mean, like everything else is by pure accident. Um, Akron's head coach couldn't be there for a tryout. Uh, one of the other coaches asked me to come in and run the tryout at the end of that session. I got a phone call on the way home saying, Hey, do you want to be the head coach? Uh, and the answer was no. At that time, I still had uh, one Bantam and one at Culver Military Academy. And so I, you know, I, 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 I would love to be an assistant. And one of the assistants elevated himself and took the head coaching job. And then I just sort of tried to bide my time until my boys got out of high school so that I could devote what should be devoted to this type of endeavor. And so aware. Hold on, let me stop me, Greg, and because I'm, I'm over 50. If I don't say it now, I'll forget it. The reason why the college age is so spectacular, it's as close as I can get to coaching an orphanage. Yeah, right. The parents are pretty much <laughs> I guess. Lev, 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 what have I always said? Next team, next team I'm coaching, orphanage, hands down. Yeah. <laughs> you, know what, you know what's needed, though? And I think when you said it earlier, when – the, the players are in the prospect skate and you're in the room with the parents. Kids aren't the only things that need educated. All right. And, and, and it's no disrespect to the, and, and we, like Sully said, we spoke about it at the beginning of this podcast, but there's a lot of lack of better term cuckoo bird parents out there. I understand it. I don't have to like it. I understand it. But those that are new into the game and are, are learning it from, I guess, a disadvantage and watching how things are, uh, this is a blanket statement, watching how things are going now, so to speak, need to relearn that the game is for the kids. And yes, they put a lot of emphasis and time and money into helping them progress, if you will. But at the end of the day, if the kid isn't having fun, who's living the dream? So I think when you said that you sat, you sit with the parents while the prospect skate is going on, that's an education level that or, uh, education uh, experience that needs to happen even younger in the might level in the, I mean, and, and you've been around from mites through college. Does that happen? Yes. No. At the Canton Akron hockey association, it does. We literally have, <laughs> as soon as the teams are selected, we have yeah. the might meeting with cookie where I'm in the room with the might parents. Okay. And explain to them. God invented you skates for a reason. Don't buy your kid a $200 stick and feel guilty that you're cutting $50 of it away. 
and number three, play other sports. Now, you would think that would be a message that is easily embraced. Every year, the Kaha director gets an angry mom saying, who's he to say my kid's not going to play college? Can, can, you, can, you say, can you do me a favor and say number three again? I'll play other sports. Yes, oh, thank you. Play other yeah. sports. That's, that's, that's huge. That's huge. I'm sorry. I was waiting for, for a little bit more from that, but that is huge. You have to play other sports. You have to be engaged in something else to bring back the want. Right When we do something over and over again, it becomes stale. I don't care what you do. It becomes stale. Look at, our, look at the guys that play in the NHL. They play it all year long. But if you, if you look at everything that they do, they're outside doing other things to break that, that uh, stagnant, to break it. Even with the stagnant, like, that's great and all, but also just like the viewpoints you get from playing other sports give you a cognitive advantage because you're able to see the game in a much better way when you do come back to it. I mean, Cookie will tell you, I'm big on hockey IQ and how do we raise that? And just even from playing other sports from a cognitive standpoint, absolutely huge for your hockey game. So put everything away, put the skates away, hang them up for the summer, do a bunch of other stuff. And when you come back, I guarantee you'll be a better hockey player for it. 100%. Yeah, Greg, I, so I mean, the, the sisters would have been Olympic in team volleyball. Gradsky played baseball in the summer. Yep. Right. I, and you don't realize how great hockey is unless you play something else. We had we had Coach Bellsma on from oh, the former Pens oh. and the Red Wing. He Red Wings. I don't know if you listened to the episode. I, his but he talked amazing. about he talked about how he would spend the entire summers playing baseball. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a pro hockey player who ended up coaching and winning a Stanley Cup who said he would put it away and play baseball all summer long in, in near Grand Haven, Michigan. Biles and I had a great – I don't know if you can find this clip. They just got the job, the head coaching job. They brought him from Wilkes-Barre. He's now in Pittsburgh. And the opposition coaches are up in the stands, which is a real no-no. And he's out there on the ice going with his assistants. Do we really have the guts to do this? Yes, we do. Now you've got video of Chris Letang working on C-cuts. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if you had an even, opportunity to listen to our podcast that we had with him uh, two weeks ago. I, I'm gonna find it. But he, even, but he talk. He talks yeah. about that. He talks about yeah. learning how to skate before you become a hockey player. And he, he even admitted at 20. What does he say? Six, Jay, at 26, 26 years old. He didn't know how to do a proper transition. You know, a guy like that on a podcast like ours. Come on, is admitting that he did not know how to do a transition at 26 years old. He, he said and, he learned more at 26 about how to skate than he ever did the previous 26 years. Greg, how much time did we spend on backhand passes and saucer passes? A ton. And then you need this thing called an iPad, and you can literally show them how they're doing it wrong. It's great. Yeah. I'm going to be mm-hmm. using it on a lesson later. And just <laughs> even just breaking it down. Like, I don't know how many kids we get that start off with, I don't really need to do skills because they want to do flow drills the whole time. And it's like, well, yeah, you can do flow all you want, but you're not really getting to become a better player because you don't have the skills to do skating, how to do a saucer pass. Or if you knew how to do a saucer pass, make it with a little bit of touch. Right. <laughs> how are you supposed to do flow drills if you have a problem skating? How are you supposed Some, to pass Somehow the they decide it's okay. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of things that get overlooked for sure. Greg, you led the Zips in scoring all three of your years. 
Then you play for the roller hockey team as well. What about your college experience made you want to stick around and coach the team? <laughs> oh man. So this is an easy one. And, and it, it basically it's cookie giving me a call back. Um, I always knew I wanted to be a coach. My dad is, I don't know how many times playing dealer uh, coach of the year. So I've, I've been around it for a long time. So I've always known I want to get back into it. Uh, cookie was the first one to give me a call. Um, and by far and all the other coaches that I've had in college will tell you that uh, cookie was by far my favorite. It wasn't even close. Um, and it was exactly the same stuff that we formalized in like you, um, but I always wanted more of, cause I knew I wasn't going to the NHL and I was like, okay, well, what else can I be doing to improve myself in the standing? So when I do get a job or even how to get a job, I can really stand on those two feet. So it was easy to work with cookie. Um, he's been a mentor for a long time. We're both financial advisors. Um, but I think college is a great thing, like Matt said, with being able to find these kids away from their parents and seeing how they react and trying to guide that the best you can. Because um, you're not there the whole time like you are with the parents and be on the kid the whole time. You have to be like, go to class, and then you can actually see, are they actually going to class? Um, I mean, like you came from, we had 22 freshmen. By the next season, we had three left. Unbelievable attrition rate. And that's when I'm basically pounding my hands on the table like we got to do more than just hockey and telling them to do it. We need to give them the skills to do it as well. Um, so long-winded, probably went elsewhere than you thought, but uh, I definitely got to say Matt was the reason I got back into coaching. Would have happened sooner or later, but uh, I'm glad it was with Matt. That's awesome. So, uh, Greg, people follow you on Twitter a lot. I know you guys run an unbelievable Twitter site, especially yourself personally as well. Um, and you're always breaking down film and sharing your insights. How did you get into start doing that? Um, has it always been something you've been interested in? Um, and how do you think uh, hockey can change uh, with the use of video? I know how it can. We utilize it a lot. But people only think videos for football. How can we utilize it in hockey? And, and what's your thoughts on that? Uh, it's vital. Um, I, I always say that I wish video would happen five years sooner because it's basically when I was leaving, I only got it really my junior year of actually seeing video and being able to break down myself. And now I'm like, I'm so bad. You know, as soon as I did that, I was a much better player. I would say I was probably a better men's league player those two or three years after college and actually still playing in college. <laughs> so I actually got to see some video and break it down. Um, yeah. So at Coach Reback, I do a ton of breakdowns. Um, I'm actually starting a, a little company here. It's going to be called Hockey's Arsenal. Uh, we'll do similar stuff, daily breakdowns, hockey IQ. Um, so my frustration was when I was scouting between Pittsburgh uh, Ohio, Michigan, I could tell almost exactly where the kid was from based on hockey IQ versus skills. Uh, cause Pittsburgh hockey IQ is off the charts. I think it's cause Bob Erie's every time stop it right there and break down video on the broadcast. Um, and I noticed that Ohio actually had better skills overall. It seems like we had better skills, um, especially in the Cleveland and Toledo area. Columbus is going to get there soon. Battery hockey Academy, all run basically by Akron grads now, just kind of humorous. I think, I think, um, I I think to, they're, I think they're already there, but well, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, so there's like just adding this hockey IQ element to the players we're working with. And the best way to do is through video. I can talk about it all day. Just the brain development's not fully there on being able to contextualize what we can do as adults. It's, it's too young of an age. They need to actually see it um, and hear it. Uh, so that's kind of how I got started and why I think it's so powerful and, and what I've been using with uh, even our incoming freshmen. So the three freshmen we have are all captains coming in um, and they've all asked me break down shots. So they, 
done shots in their driveway, send it to me. We break it down. They send me another and we keep kind of going through that process. So it's not just what you see on Twitter, but also some stuff we do on the back end to help our kids before they even get to uh, Akron. Coach Cook, I know in the intro, we mentioned the number of push-ups we may have to do <laughs> once you listen to us speak. How did that become what former players bring up when we ask during research on what we could ask you that most won't know? How did that all come about? Because uh, I'm, I'm actually waiting for a number to go up. And I'm wondering how many, because I, I obviously English is partially my first language. I'm not quite sure we said the key word though yet. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, I don't know. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. We were waiting. We were waiting. I, I always say he's a grammar Nazi. He always corrects me that he's a Gramondo. <laughs> a Gramondo. I like that. I like, a Gramondo. Like <laughs> yeah, there, there's a couple of no nos. Um, superfluous likes uh, are typically good for 10 push ups. Uh, if I ask you a question, you say, huh? That's 20. Well, that's just a filler. That's a, that's a, a time filler. So, okay. If you say Jesus Christ, you're probably going to get a uh, hook to the chin. Um, and if you say the absolute death word, whatever, I'm going batshit. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what the language is on this. No, you uh, can say batshit crazy. That's fine. You can say it. Were about, okay. Okay. Because when my boys, I think they were about seven and five. And one of them said whatever to me. And I got in his face and said, okay, you just gave me the pre-adolescent equivalent of yeah. fuck you. That, 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 that word is not going to come out of your mouth again. There's reasons why they both went to Culver Military Academy and uh, didn't go to high school locally. <laughs> they were like, hell, Military Academy is a lot better than this. <laughs> I mean, all I said was whatever. Get the hell out of here. When they went to the barracks at Virginia Military Academy, like, this is nothing. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, this it, was is it, it was hotter. Okay. Okay. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> uh, so there, there's one coaching point that I wanted to bring up, and, and yes. Greg is really developed in this. Rather than telling the kid what he did wrong, Go back on the play and ask the question that I think every coach should use more often than anything else. What did you see? Because if he didn't see anything, then he didn't make a decision. He just passed his problem, as you know, Mike Wilson said a thousand times. Yep. So first off, did you make a decision? What were your other options? So that great question of what did you see to me is the key to development. You know, so first they've got to have enough confidence that they're allowed to make a mistake without getting their head ripped off. And then secondly, they've got to have enough talent confidence to actually make a decision. And if you want to say, where can youth hockey get better? Okay. Telling a peewee team, okay, no backhand passes in the D zone. Well, we're telling them to chip it out. (laughs) Yeah. We've had rehab projects basically where we have to tell kids it's okay to make a mistake. It's okay to make a pass over the middle because their high school or junior coaches beat them out of them that your job's to get it basically glassing out and let the other kids chase it down. Yeah. That, so. that's, and that's, that's, that's not right. That's definitely not right. And, and um, allowing kids to make mistakes. And like you just said, coach cook about, you know, it's okay to make mistakes. And then uh, what Greg does, you know, is say, this is why you made the mistake. How are we not, and I'm kind of paraphrasing here, and if I'm saying this wrong, please tell me. 
you made the mistake. Okay. Let's not make it again. And this is how we are not going to make that again. Right. And that, and that's, and that's okay. Um, you know what, one of, one of my favorite things of all times. And, and I, you know, Lev and I coach the same team together as you guys know. And, and, um, you know, when there's too many men on the ice, that's a coach's penalty. And at every single time that we have ever gotten a too many men on the ice, Lev and I have talked to our players and said, that's on us. Can, can, you, can you get us out of this? Can you get us out of it? Well, if we're going to ask them to get us out of that mistake, why should coaches then go after players for making mistakes themselves? It depends on how many times they're making the same mistake. And, and once again, that comes from having to rip out the wiring. Right. Yeah. Yeah, right, no, I mean, right. No, the you... last thing I've always said to every team I ever coached in youth hockey, okay, remember, you play for the coach you have, not the coach you had. Exactly. So when you go to your next coach, do what he says to do. Don't come back and say, well, Cookie told me to do X. That, that year's over. Do Y. And I love the uh, idea there of mistakes. Like, they're allowed to make mistakes. Just can we go up the mistake pyramid where we're making new mistakes, better mistakes? Yeah, right. No. Well, I mean, if you're making the same mistake over and over again, there's obviously a disconnect, right? And we get that. You know, we get that. There, there, there's mistake. I mean, listen, pros make mistakes every day. College players make mistakes every day. So how do you make, how do you not make the same mistake four times? You can make it twice. That's fine. We all do that. I mean, yeah. I've turned, I've turned left on red three times today. You know, I mean, come on. What are you driving? NASCAR? <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, in our world, the mistakes off ice are much worse than the mistakes on ice. Sure. But, right. Um, Greg, why don't you go through the uh, mistake protocol? Well, first off, you have to acknowledge that you made a mistake. Then you have to apologize for that mistake, learn from that mistake, and then drive on. It's, it's easy as that. Just one, two, three, four. Every single time you make a mistake, acknowledge it. As long as you're learning from it and continue to make new, better ones, it's, it's not that big of a deal in our book. Go ahead, Greg. I'm sorry. And that's one of the things that Cookie talks about in the parents meeting is allowing their kids to fail. Let them make the mistakes. And therefore, they're able and are they're prepared later on um, with those new tools. I mean, success is great, but failure easily is the best teacher. You know, I've, I've, Love and I have talked to, I mean, we're dealing with high school kids and kids are learning to drive, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so when they make mistakes, we use this all the time. There's a reason why the windshield is this big and the rearview mirror is this big because they don't want you looking in the rearview mirror. They want you looking out the windshield. So stop looking behind you and what happened behind you. Start looking ahead. There's a reason why that windshield's that big. And they're all, oh, yeah, well, I got to take my driver's test. So that's a good – I'm like, no, it's not on a test, people. It's, but, but let's but, – you know, uh, but you're right. You're right. Just keep moving forward. So, hey, uh, Greg, you, you obviously have a huge social media presence. Uh, do your players learn the pros and cons of using social media? Because social media can be a really tar- tough, tough thing right now. I mean, we look at it when we're recruiting. Um, you know, I, I try to look up everything, whether it be ex-players. Is, you, you guys do great research, so you know how it is. I mean, everyone's <laughs> looking at your social media, so they know what you're doing. If you're going to say something really dumb or you're going to put some very inappropriate things out there. What do um, they call that, Jay? I think they call that creeping. No comment. <laughs> Go ahead. Continue on, boys. Jay's Jay's the one who's clearly in charge. That he he makes sure 
all gets done. uh, Again, Greg, no comment. Go ahead, continue. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so I I try to use it as like a teaching tool, something fun. Um, And I think the uh, guys do a nice job with the page itself, um, with the new podcast as well, getting some stories out there. And you can use it for a lot of positives. Um, but you don't need to bring bad attention to yourself just as, you know, when you're doing things out on the ice, you don't want to bring bad attention to yourself and your teammates and, and make you look bad or put a target on your back. So how do you think that social media can be used for good for the athletes? Just have fun with it. Enjoy the game. Like if you're excited about some things you've done, do some retweets. Um, you can use it to find places to get better. Um, you know, I, I follow people that I enjoy following so I can get better as well. Uh, it's either, yeah, I, I love Elon Musk. He's my enjoyment. Um, I want to get better. So I've got some Twitter accounts that I'm going to follow and try to go from there. So okay. I, I think you can learn, you can share the good things in life, um, reach out if you need some bad things. I mean, I recently had a friend um, who was a Marsoc Raider and he passed away and used social media, just, you know, honor him and it was a great support community. When you guys are out looking for potential players, is it like Herb Brooks used to say, you're not looking for the best players, you're looking for the right players? And and also, do you find those diamonds in the rough um, and say, I can make a difference in that man's life? What is it that you guys look for? I mean, I'm looking for positive body language, someone who gets excited to get up to the rank and enjoying life. Uh, I think the people who are best fits for our program are the ones that want to continue to get better through college. You're not just showing up and playing a club sport and, you know, this is done and I'm going to hit the bar a few times. I I think the kids that have done the best um, have grown. I mean, there are kids who started with me and they got healthy scratched by the end of the year. They were top three in scoring. Um, And those are the kids that stay, succeed. And now he's a phenomenal engineer um, making six figures. So I I feel like the growth and the kids who want to grow and continue to get better. Like I said, they're, they're talking to me about sending me videos of how can I get better? I've had a few kids that are returning wondering, is everyone else getting on the ice? Um, I could ask me, give me some drills that I can do on my own and with my brother. So I think those are the right fits and the kids that we're seeking out. um, And it really starts with good, positive body language and energy and wanting to be a good teammate. I just want to jump in there real quick, Greg. And I, 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 every time we talk to somebody on this podcast and, excuse me and everyone talks about positive body language and positive attitude i want to i want to stress that over and over and over again and every single style it doesn't it doesn't go out of style man it's like it's it's like the 84 monte carlo it doesn't go out of style right (laughs) but but it it, why is it so difficult i don't i mean we i mean i think we, we we've talked i mean i know plenty of people talk about this it's so difficult for adolescents to understand that it is, but they keep hearing it every single day from the right people, body language, body position, the way that you carry yourself dictates pretty much not, not exactly where you're going to go, but a lot where you're going to go because you're going to take the talented cancer out of the room and you're going to put the less talented positive player that you can work with in the room. So, uh, Sully, uh, along with Like You, I'd say the other thing that makes us very unique is that we have a team in Beer League. So I can take the bottom half of my roster, lines three and four, D-pair three and four, put them in a Beer League game, no checking, or no hitting, I should say. Um, They've got the opportunity, 
we've got a bunch of ex-captains who play on this beer league team. So I know they're getting development from the bench and in the room. Um, and it's just a great opportunity to help improve on a skill that they don't quite own. And the captains, you know, the ex-Akron players, they know the drill. You know, they know the drill that it's not about winning that particular game. It's about helping my fourth liner become a second liner. And it's been wildly successful. You know, considering what we have to pay for an hour of ice versus what we pay for 10 beer league games. I mean, <laughs> I'm an economist. You know, that, that's a big win for us. Yeah, yeah. right. Let's say you've got three goaltenders and you know one's going to play one night, two's going to play the other night. Why is three even there? Give them a chance. The lack of beer checking in beer league or the lack of back checking in beer league, you know he's going to get 40 shots. Right. So the club is paying and putting those players on the third and fourth line and maybe your third goaltender in a spot to play in in games, get game time experience, uh, and not just sit the bench, correct? Without a doubt. I mean, so it's not only you're breaking a sweat that the other kids uh, didn't have the chance. You know, we now have a live barn system uh, in our building so they can watch their own video. You've got, I mean, really quality players who just happen to be 35 years old who are, you know, on the bench with them and in the room with them. Right, right. You know, as long as, once again, I don't have talented cancers in the beer league, it's a great ice touch. Uh, it's a great touch. It's a great touch. Absolutely. You know, so both it's, uh, I'm going to, this question goes to both you guys, you know, with the COVID pandemic causing all sorts of chaos throughout the world. And, and, you know, it's something that uh, I hope that we all never have to go through again. Have you seen any current changes to your plans moving forward uh, with the season? And then I'll, I'll back that up with a second question. You know, what's the university's plan for the fall semester? We're planning to go off as usual, unless told otherwise. Um, I mean, we do have our backup plans and that's all part of planning and, uh, our, our captains are all in on that as well. I think that's another key thing that uh, Matt can touch on. We, we let the uh, inmates run the asylum, as they say, and it's a true club in the sense that those kids are getting that experience. But uh, we're, we've been planning, scheduling. We're uh, going down to Kentucky. That Friday night game, as you talked with Driscoll about. Midnight. Uh, yes. Midnight. We'll be there. He, he, gave us his, he gave us his commissioner's loads, man. He goes, uh, Lev goes, what's, where's the snacks? And he's like, yeah, whatever's in a vending machine, dude. (laughs) Yeah, so as far as I understand, we're going off as normal. Uh, Who knows what it's going to be. I think they're going to change some things around with Thanksgiving. They don't want you to go to Thanksgiving with your folks and then bring everything back. We'll probably just end it after that. Uh, And that'll probably be across the board. Um, But as far as we understand, we're, we're going off as normal. Here's the one thing I've heard from the team. You know, once again, this, these are 18 to 22 year olds. Whatever we do, we are keeping Monday night practice and life university. That's pretty cool. That's really <laughs> cool. Very cool. That's been voted the two things or uh, the last two seasons. The one thing that they love the most that's been unanimous is we like it. We want to keep it. That's huge. That's huge. And I want our listeners who've got high school age kids or junior age kids to listen to this message. The kids want life you. They want it. And when the kids want something, it's got to be something special. It, I'm, Greg, you don't remember this, but I'm, I'm hoping, Sully, you remember Willy Wonka. Hey, why would you say me? Why would you say me? <laughs> That's such crap, coach. you got a seven head, not a forehead. <laughs> you see all this underneath here, buddy? 
See all that Santa Claus? Look at all that. See, that that's why I wear the hat, Coach. God. And okay, what, what yes, I do. The, I do remember the golden ticket. Go ahead. What made the Gene Wilder movie work is that you realize kids wanted limits. Right. They want to know the limits. They want to hear no. This is acceptable. This is not. You know, and I use this line a hundred times. It is more important for my kid to graduate knowing how to write a thank you note for an interview than to catch a breakout pass. Yeah. Huge. I mean, uh, when, when, when they used to teach how to fill out a check correctly, to write those letters, to write an acceptance letter versus a letter of inquire, inquiry. Great. I'm surprised the finger didn't come up on that one. Um, I misspoke, I apologize. But, uh, you know, it's not taught anymore. There's a debit card for that. What do you mean? I, I, I write a check. What does that mean? I, I just think that it, over the course of listening to you guys, for however long it's been, it seems like two minutes and I know it's not been, but you guys are putting so many positive influences around these players that only good can come from this. And it's phenomenal to hear it. And like Sully said numerous times, it's so important for the listeners to hear it from our youngest to our oldest. And I just think what you guys are doing is phenomenal. I really do. Let me hit, this is a new one this year, and you mentioned it because of the debit card. There is something out there called Acorns. If you have an Acorns account and you use a debit card and you buy something for $2.30, it's rounded up to three bucks. That 70 cents goes into an investment account. So every time you buy something, it rounds up. This gives these kids the opportunity to actually start investing their own money with Greg and I looking over their shoulders and it's a whole lot cheaper to make mistakes with a thousand dollars than it is with a hundred thousand dollars. Sure. And I'm talking, sure. I mean, I'm just econ geeked out about doing it this year. That's cool. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know what, both you guys, I know Greg, you are, you're on your way out to, uh, to the rink and uh, uh, coach, I give, uh, I can't thank you guys both enough uh, for coming on and talking to us about, the great things that Akron has uh, to offer, uh, both academically, first and, mo and mostly, and then hockey, uh, secondly, and as well, then life you involved in that, which is a totally, totally different atmosphere than most of ACHA teams we've talked to. So what you guys are doing there obviously is working. We know it. We've talked to people that have played for you, Coach. We know it's working. Um, so we thank you for coming out and spreading the good word. The one thing I want to ask or I want to say, and this isn't going to be edited out, I want this to happen. I would like for uh, you guys to bring your life you to maybe a seminar to high school coaches uh, here in the state of Ohio. Like, uh, I'm not, down not, for that. Not, not tell us what you're doing, but maybe bringing, a, a, bringing the parents, going to different schools and saying, this is what we do as life you. I think that's huge. I'd be the first... I'd be the first coach in the state of Ohio. I would welcome you guys to do that to my parent group. So. I think the uh, biggest thing for me is that uh, we have Cam Wilson on our team from Olmstead Falls. Uh -huh. His parents have trusted us enough where Colin Wilson is now coming to Akron as well. So whatever we're doing, we're not screwing up that much. Cause if you know, big Ron, uh, he is cut straight to the bone and he will not do any BSing with you. Right. So I'm, I'm in for that. I bet cookie would uh, be grinning at the ears about this one. Well, and I'll tell you, because I have two college-age boys, you know, I really didn't know how stupid I was until my daughter became a teenager. 
but I'm also in that phase right now where, you know, the boys think I'm kind of dumb too. So it, it, it's who's delivering the message. And that's why when you, when you go off to college and one of the first things we tell these kids, my name is Cookie. It's not Mr. Cook. It's not Coach Cookie. Just Cookie. That works. And, you know, we're going to deal with mutual respect. And you have the option. I can either treat you like a man or I can treat you like a boy. And you get to decide how that's going to happen. Well, hey, again, what a great message you guys have brought here. And, and you know, we'd like to, love to have you guys back on as the season starts, the season gets going. Maybe halfway through the season, we can continue to talk, uh, get your good word out there uh, as recruiting season starts. Um, but, again, thank you so much for coming on uh, the podcast. You know, hopefully you guys uh, um, can listen to some of our episodes. But uh, for us, it's important what we do with uh, Scott Harrington is just to get hockey out there right now in this time. And we're going to continue rolling when hockey starts. We're going to continue doing this. It's been great. It's been a lot of fun for us. Yeah, thank you guys. Really appreciate it, Tim and uh, Jason, uh, on many levels. Really appreciate what you're doing uh, for just hockey in general and the state of Ohio, which it's uh, continuing to grow and get, getting stronger and stronger. So, awesome. And thank you for the opportunity to spread the gospel. And once again, we are not shy about this. If there are coaches out there who want to get you know, the syllabus for what we've done in previous years or how we've put this together. But we want to share this. You know, I mean, it's not a competitive advantage to do that, but it, this is the game. These are the kids we've got. Yeah, but you know what, though? What's, what's the old saying, Jay? These are the kids we got. These are the kids we, that we coach. Yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't trade them. You can't fire them. This is what we have. And if it's what saw, you have. We tried, it, we tried a couple times. Yeah, but it didn't work. But it didn't work. You know, but, but if this is what you have, you make the best of it. I mean, hell, Lev and I started a high school hockey team 17 years ago with nine guys in a bucket of pucks. And we grew that program to be one of the best programs in the state. We can't trade them. And thank, and thank you for sending us Matt Morbido, by the way. Really yeah. appreciate that yeah. one. Yeah, well, Matt was a hell of a player. Boys, boys, to this day, we have a drill that we run that's called Holy Name. Is that from Matt? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's got to be a shooting drill out of the corners or out of the blue line, right? Uh, I'm not going to go into it right now, but but it, it goes to a larger point. Once these kids become juniors and seniors, okay, you've got Thursday morning's practice for 30 minutes. Do it. You know, and Morbs ran a drill. I thought it was a great drill, so we called it Holy Name, and we've done it ever since. But that goes back to the development you know, and you don't have that every year, but gosh darn it, let them lead. Right. right. Give, them the keys, give them the keys of the car and let them drive. Greg's trying to do that right now. <laughs> I know. I don't really know what they're looking. It looks like it kind of looks like you're driving an RV right now, Greg. What is? Oh, okay. I see where we're at. You got the beautiful Mazda here. Oh yeah, yeah, looking good, bud. Looking good. You guys were lamenting about not having the team you wanted to have. We've got a line that I use from Donald Rumsfeld. That says you go to the war, you go to war with the army that you have, not the army you wish you had. Sure. Yeah. Sure. 100%. Right. 100%. So, drop the clock. Let's go. Coaches, thank <laughs> you so I've much. i way too many times. <laughs> <laughs> Coaches, what a, what a great uh, hour that we spent here talking, and I'd love to do uh, two or three more, and I'm sure we'll do that again. Um, but thank you guys so much for coming on and, and uh, talking with us. Uh, look forward to many more of these as well. Okay. Absolutely. Quick Take shout care. out. Thank you. Thank you so much, Brian Teeple, John Malloy.
There you go. Oh, Jay, what a great episode tonight. I had the opportunity to talk to Lauren Bernard uh, out of Clarkson University and the coaches from University of Akron, Matt Cook and and Greg Ravak. First of all, talking about Lauren Bernard, unbelievable student athlete. And I know that she's got so many accolades. And I just want to touch on this real quick. And this is not only just for our, our female listeners. This is for somebody who feels that they should not be somewhere but you should always push yourself to be where you want to be. When she's playing in the SEL right now, the best of the best, you're talking pro players, you're talking guys in the AHL, but, and she's asked to play in that, and she even admitted, I was a little nervous the first couple uh, skates, but now I got my feet underneath me. Man, what an unbelievable uh, message that was, that you don't have to worry. If, you're, if you should be somewhere, just absorb it and accept it and, and, and move forward with it. She's a great example of that. Well, you look at Lauren's career so far, and she takes the opportunity to go and play in Pittsburgh. She takes the opportunity to go to Slex Academy in New York. She takes the opportunity to go with the women's national program. She takes the opportunity to go to Clarkson. She takes the opportunity to go play in the SEL. And, I mean, heck, it could be any league. The SEL is the one we know the best. She's taking every opportunity she has. And, and how about her talk on how she chose Clarkson? She, I mean, she, she, she's, she's, she's so mature outside of her years. It's sick. And the sky, I, I, mean, I know this is cliche. Sky's the limit. Let me tell you and, what. And boys, it, to all the boys out there that are looking for colleges, take her advice. Make a list. And she's, she's doing exactly what is right for her. I was reading something she had said uh, when discussing how she chose Clarkson. And one of the things she said, which she didn't say here was Clarkson reminded her of home. You know, you look at, you look at all the opportunities Lauren has taken and she's made the most of them. And and she goes and plays with pros. I mean, heck Tim Gettinger was playing in that league up until the New York Rangers decided he needed to come on the playoff roster. So she's playing (laughs) with NHL players on down and and on down is still, an excellent, excellent level. Don't get me You're wrong. You're right. You're right. She's she taking just... these opportunities. She's doing Lauren Bernard is doing exactly what Lauren Bernard wants to do, feels she should do, and will make her better. She chose Clarkson because of education. She checked off all these boxes that said, This is where I need to be to better me. You know, she skated with the Olympians, as she said, the Olympians in the U22s. And she used that opportunity to see where she needs to improve. She goes to Clarkson. She has a phenomenal freshman year. Obviously, she's doing something right. She named an assistant captain. And, I mean, hell, man. <laughs> it, it's going to be fun to watch what will be, and I will say it here, and it was said to me in a message earlier today, you're going to be talking to a future Olympian. That's awesome. That's really that's really cool. That's really cool, and and – I'll tell you what, she was an impressive young lady. And then being able to sit down and talk to Coach Cook and Coach Revac today and listen about their Life U uh, program and what they have to offer in the ACHA. You know what? There really needs to be more of an emphasis on our uh, youth, whether it's in Ohio or wherever the hell it is. Understanding that if you want to continue to go to a good school and good college and play competitive hockey and you can't make a Division Three or Division One team, you're going to be in a pretty damn good spot. A hundred percent. 
I mean, you, you look at the conversation with Tim Driscoll last week and, and then again with, with Cookie and, uh, and Rebeck today. I think the, important, the, the most important thing that they said was they're hoping they're, – they're, they're, they're taking hockey players and getting them to graduation and getting them jobs. You know, as he said off camera, they always say, don't be, don't be a, guy, a, a kid's last coach. Well, he is. So what stamp are you going to put on his life or on this player's life? Right. And I think that, like I said to him, uh, obviously often how we said to him throughout the course of the conversation, that's real talk. That's hugely real talk. A conversation that is kind of skirted around right yeah, now. But, you, but, but it's the same thing that we go back to Jay. Oh, ACHA, you're just throwing it away. Really? No, no. That's somebody trying to sell you a bill of freaking goods. Yeah. The reality is, and the realists would say, hey, you know what? You can't play at the Division One or Division Three level, but this is where you can play, and you can get a great education, hell of a freaking experience when it comes to hockey, not some freaking slapdick hockey, and you can play really good hockey. But, but you know what, though? But, but, but you know, you can't edit that out. You can't. <laughs> it's a great line. Go ahead. Go ahead. Just... No, you're 100% right. But, but it's, I can't but, argue but there's, that. But there's, not... but there's too many people – there's too many people that are out for themselves that say you have to go to this level, no matter if you fail or not. So here's the question. So you promote a kid, you talk them up, you allegedly coach them up to <laughs> what do you, you can you do coach this. You coach them up. <clears throat> yeah. You coach them up. You, you, you get him in a mindset that it's division one or bust. When it busts, where are you? They run. They run Gone. away. Oh, you didn't do something right. Well, okay. Maybe, maybe, maybe somewhere along the lines I didn't. Maybe at 8, at 7, at 10, I did something wrong. You, you know what? Here's the thing. And, and be, honest at the, be honest with them. Just right. look, man. Look, this, this, this path that you want to be on is, is, is honorable, admirable. It, it is good. Chase the dream, 100% believe in that in that statement. But let's have a real conversation. Truth of the matter is, your chances of making Division One hockey aren't great. Your chances of making Division Three hockey maybe a little better, maybe still not great. Your chances of going to college and getting a quality education, and oh by the way, you get to still play a great brand of hockey, is excellent. Yeah, because there's so many avenues to do it. Even if it's no different than playing junior, there's so many options. But if I'm not in the USHL, how am I ever going to make D1? Well, how are you going to make USHL? Because you're not good enough, and that's okay. Again, it's okay for things to be okay. It's okay if you're not good enough to play in the USHL. It's okay if you're not good enough to play in North American League. It doesn't mean you're a bad hockey player. But, but it means that they're better. And right, and I, and I know we're going to get probably lambasted on, on so Twitter. And what I could care less, dude, right? I don't care because we're, we're actually having a real conversation. But yeah. what, I'm, what I'm saying, though, is it, it, this isn't just Cleveland, Ohio. This no. isn't Ohio. This, we, we talk for our friends up in Michigan, Jay, that coach teams up there that will say the same damn thing. Well, we're, we're trying to get one of them on, and we're just trying to work out logistics, who's already told us the same thing. Right. He'll, I he'll, mean, come, on, he'll come on and say the same damn story. From Detroit, Michigan. Yes. Yep. Yep. Well, hey, Jay, I don't mean to like, I don't mean to like keep going on here, but 
It's been we a could. great show. We need Fif- a breath. Let's 15 go. down, man. Oh, my gosh. That's like a major penalty in football. 15 down and a whole lot more to bring you. That will do it for episode 15 of On Air. We'd like to thank our guests from the University of Akron, Zips Hockey head coach Matt Cook and assistant coach Greg Revac, and from Clarkson Women's Hockey assistant captain Lauren Bernard. Next week, it's another road game for us. We travel down to Columbus where we sit down with the head coach of the Olentangy Liberty Patriots, Mr. Kevin Alexander. Then staying in the state capitol, we get to know the new executive vice president of the Ohio Blue Jackets AAA organization, Mr. Nick Petraglia. Be safe and do what's right. Hashtag I want a season, so do I. You can find us on air podcast at www.ohiohockeydigest.com with full episodes, archives, as well as a list of future guests. You can also subscribe to On Air on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Continuing to go to the game the best we can. This is On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest. Podcast. How does it go? I'm the Slim Shady. Yes, I'm the real Shady. Are you other Slim Shadies are just